Today's podcast session is supported by Uphill. So if you ask a therapist who's doing clinical work what the bane of their existence is, usually progress notes are in the top one to two. I'm not naming any names, but when I was doing clinical work, I remember I had several colleagues who would get so backed up on clinical notes, so they would end up spending their nights and weekends trying just to catch up. Honestly, who wants to do that? And this is where Appeal comes in. Appeal is AI-powered case notes. Now, I know for many of us, when we hear the word AI, we're, there's like a natural skepticism. And honestly, I had that skepticism as well until I got to meet with the Appeal team and learn about some of the many ways that they are doing this in a way that is HIPAA compliant and also doesn't sell data to anyone and also protects our clients as well. You can learn more about Uphill and the awesome work that they're doing in the world uh, by going to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Uphill. And Uphill is uh, spelled U-P and then H-E-A-L, all one word. And at checkout, be sure to enter the promo code COUCH25, C-O-U-C-H, and the number 25 to get 25% off your Uphill plan for the first two months. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 328 of Selling the Couch. I hope you're doing well and uh, having an awesome day. I am like so excited actually for this episode because uh, this episode is a question or I know a season that many of us are in, which is Many of us may be thinking about, you know, especially as we sort of make sense of whatever this like after pandemic or post pandemic uh, world sort of looks like. I, I think many of us may be wondering, like, hey, what um, do I want to continue clinical work? Do I want to do consulting or coaching? And if so, like, do I want to go full on board with the consulting coaching? Do I want to, like, you know, kind of go split uh, and do a little bit of both? This was actually a dilemma that I had a few years ago. I can't believe how time flies um, with STC. You know, I was I was doing clinical work and I was doing STC as kind of a side gig uh, over the past several years. And as STC continued to grow and I developed product and services, I was getting to a point where the income that I was making with STC was starting to exceed the money that I was making as a clinician. And it was just... Uh, so there was that thing happening. And then the other part of it was, uh, you know, our, our daughter was born and she was premature and we were going through this really difficult life situation between early childhood intervention and a bunch of different things. And I was trying to manage two different businesses, right? You know, two different LLCs, one private practice, one STC, two different bank accounts, two different accounting, like all of this stuff. And, I just, I realized like I couldn't sustain both and what did I want to focus on and what, um, where did I want to see my legacy? And ultimately I chose to focus on STC at least for, you know, for the foreseeable future and give up clinical work. And it was such a hard decision. I mean, I had to have so many conversations with with my own therapist, with uh, ended up working with you know doing brain spotting. Um, I ended up 
just conversations with friends, conversations with colleagues, like all of this like guilt and shame and you know, all of this stuff that was coming up, you know, what would colleagues think of me if, you know, I was creating STC, but I wasn't actively in private practice and all of this stuff was just coming up and it absolutely like impeded me and hindered me. And so I kind of just kept going with the status quo, quo, knowing that like I was miserable on the inside. And finally, through a lot of work, like it took the leap. And I know that many of us are struggling with that sort of decision. And that's the reason for today's conversation. We titled it The Mental Roadblocks of Making the Transition from Clinician to Coach. My guest today is Angela Williams. Angela is a licensed clinical social worker out in Orlando, Florida. Her website is angelamarie.co. And uh, Angela has made that transition uh, and also works with other therapists to make that transition. And we wanted to just have an open and honest conversation. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. We talk about uh, we start this conversation thinking about like why are so many clinicians thinking about you know leaving the profession either partly or or fully in order to go into coaching, and then uh, what are what was the biggest roadblock that Angela went through uh, in order to uh, as you know as she made that transition, and then what are the most common roadblocks that she sees in working with other therapists. Um, as they make that transition, and what are some of the practical things that we can do to overcome it? Uh, Angela also has a number of book recommendations that you, I think you're going to really enjoy, and I've read actually two of the three of them, and uh, they were really good. So the third one I really want to get into. All right, so we'll jump into today's conversation. Here's my conversation with Angela Williams from AngelaMarie.co. Hey, Angela, welcome to Selling the Couch. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's one, I'm I'm grateful that, you know, we've been able to connect and you're doing such amazing stuff in the world. And this topic, uh, I feel like is so relevant in many seasons, but particularly, I think, as we continue to figure out what this new normal is in this pandemic world, I think a lot of clinicians are thinking about, do I want to do full, continue to do clinical work? Do I want to split that time between doing traditional therapy and coaching, or do I want to go all the way to coaching, right, and get rid of the therapy practice? And I feel like there are 8 million roadblocks. I know for me, I struggled with this. I know you did as well. And so I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I feel like it's such an important one. Absolutely, yes. So I told you, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to start with like a really basic question. Maybe kind of dumb, but like, why do you, why do you think so many therapists are becoming coaches? So I think now, and now that I've been able to also connect with a bunch of therapists who are who are making that move to coaching, um, I think we're really now seeing the ability to expand beyond the regulations of the therapy industry using our natural and learned skill sets to help folks. So you know, currently therapists that I'm talking to are kind of over the medical model of diagnosing and working from a place of, you know, what's wrong or, you know, these things that are really hard, these traumas, things like that, um, you know, and having to, to create a diagnosis in the first place. And so I think, you know, as coaches, as therapists looking to coach, 
we're really looking at, okay, now how can we build? We've, we've been helping folks heal. And now how can we build on those foundations? How can we really expand and look more into the future and, and really, you know, enhance what we've been working on? I think that's kind of the movement too. I think there's also uh, a lot of consistent complaints that I hear are around not being paid adequately, not being paid timely, whether that's through insurance companies, through uh, organizations that folks are with. I mean, and people are burning out, right? So uh, especially if you're uh, in an organization and you can recreate this in your own business, if you own that, it's we're really looking at uh, you know, helping as many people as possible and also earning income that we can live and, and feel comfortable with and, and celebrate with and do all, you know, do life with. Um, but typically what happens when, when that's going on is we can only charge so much, right? Insurances only pay so much, or we, we kind of have a cap of what we can charge as a therapist. And so I think that kind of removes some of the freedoms um, and really leads to burnout because we're taking on and taking on. Uh, and so, and that's really the opposite of what we're trying to do when we're trying to provide that quality of care to anyone we serve, no matter what we're doing. But I think there's some, uh, you know, more of that restriction in that more regulated industry. And I think with coaching, uh, because it's not as regulated, we have more freedoms to be able to provide our, our skills and talents to folks in a more creative way. We can charge, uh, you know, more of what is reflective of our skills and abilities and really not have to feel like we're taking on so, so many clients that we're burning out uh, and really being able to provide that quality of care. Yeah, no, I love, I love what you said. I I think, you know, for me, like one of the biggest shifts and and a friend, like a colleague uh, and a friend like mentioned this to me is like, Mel, like, what if you start to see what all the therapy and all the training you've done as a skill set? versus just like it's only applicable in this one domain, you know? Right. And that was so eye-opening to me because like something like this, right? Like a podcast, what do we do? We basically have a really deep conversation where I'm asking open-ended questions and we're diving in deep into it, right? But I know coming out of grad school, I would have never thought like, hey, I'm going to launch a podcast, right? And right. Uh, I mean, same thing with coaching, right? Like there's so many, I think, opportunities and i know like everyone listening and know like we want to do this ethically and we want to do it well right but like there are restrictions in terms of what we can do with our licenses uh you know i mean even down to like you know it's been a you know while since you know i've done therapy but like that the fact that you know the client has to be in a certain state where you are licensed right? Like physically there. I come up with this all the time. Actually, Uh, I've had folks move out of country, move out of state, and there's a lot of barriers to be able to provide that seamless support to them. And it's very frustrating on both ends. And so again, how do we, you know, how is this ethical in the sense of the regulations? Because I can't, you know, continue to do my job and and get this person transitioned in a way, uh, you know, that would be best for them, really. Yeah, right. And then there's like even like a little niche, right? Like, what if you're like a digital nomad, right? And you just spend like a couple of months in a spot and then you move, right? And I mean, it's just, there's a lot of interesting things. And I, I think like, it will be very fascinating to see what our profession, right? Like the clinical profession, what it does as, you know, as sort of these new challenges. I'm sure they rise to it, but like, you know, 
it, it will be really interesting. So a lot of clinicians are in this space, right, where they are thinking like, hey, do I want to continue my therapy practice? Do I want to make this transition to coach? And one of the things I feel like, I mean, just being brutally honest, I, I struggled with this with STC because I was, you know, had a small private practice, I was doing STC, and I just, you know, we had just had a baby, and she was a NICU baby. Like, there was so much stuff, and I was trying to manage two different businesses, two mm -hmm. different LLCs, two different bank accounts, everything, while trying to, like, be basically barely survive, you know? And I felt so much, like, I had, like, shame around this, like, am I, like, leaving my profession behind, like, you know? five plus years of grad school internship, a postdoc, you know, like all of this stuff, right? I want to dive really into this stuff about the mental roadblocks. And what would you say like is for you uh, has been the biggest mental roadblock as you've made that transition from clinician to coach? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and even rewinding a little bit more from that, I think we sink so much time and identity, we really attach our identity to the work that we're doing, the profession that we're in. And I think because we put so much time and effort and dollars, you know, to come to the certain place, sometimes it's really hard to move away from that, uh, regardless of if, if it's a therapy or, you know, going to get a PhD or whatever that is. I, I have a lot of folks that have started and had stopped because it wasn't in alignment anymore. And just it's hard. There's a lot of guilt, I think, that we associate and I wanted to, to rewind a second to when I was leaving, you know, an organization to start my own private practice, even there was a lot of guilt about leaving my team, leaving the people, you know, the clients that I had currently. So I think that kind of, uh, you know, also comes into play. I think we hold a lot of expectation for ourselves uh, and we do carry some guilt when we're trying to transition or do something even more aligned for us. I think that's really important to think about. That is a mental roadblock. And uh, for me, it was a little bit different. Um, I began my coaching business during the pandemic. So I started fully online. This is, I, I took my therapy practice completely online and, you know, really said, I'm really loving the coaching aspects here. I really want to lean into this a little bit more. And I started fully online. And so what that meant was you're networking and showing up and advertising all in the online space. So that's a whole different ballgame than what it's like necessarily to show up as a therapist and everybody does this differently. So I, I want to, you know, caveat that, but for me at this point, I was the face of my brand or this coaching business. And I know some folks can choose to build, you know, more of an agency, they can build it on their personal brand, but that's the route I chose for the coaching. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really about being visible and being seen uh, that really brought up a lot of imposter syndrome for me. I also call this the insecure expert experience where, you know, it's like, we know what we're talking about. We, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence. We've, we've had how many hours and, and thousands of dollars. We do this, I do this every day in my therapy practice, right? But there was just something for me about making that mental switch from being a therapist to being like an online brand business owner who is providing coaching which was a total, um, a, a totally different thing for me. So um, that's really something I had to overcome and grow in more ownership of. And so, you know, when the camera's on you and the spotlight's on you specifically as that solopreneur, you know, I think a lot more of your insecurities become prevalent and, you know, you're aware of them more. And so, you know, also the areas you can improve in, right? So it really started to shine the light on 
you know, my speaking, my confidence, right? All of these different pieces. Um, so I continued to seek support, business coaching, mindset, therapy. I read books, I did seminars, right? All of it and took consistent action regardless of the fear. So I think that's something of, you know, that was a really big roadblock for me, but I do want to encourage folks to, this is normal, this is okay, but also to take that action because it's nothing's going to happen unless you continue to take that action. So be aware of it, get the support, but move forward. Yeah, I uh, I love that. Like there was a great image somebody shared with me recently about, you know, like the entrepreneurial journey, especially like showing up as an online business. It's not that like, like if you sort of liken it to waves, right? Like it's not that the waves ever go away. It's just that you learn to kind of ride them over time, you know? And I think everybody, I mean, I don't know anyone that has ever gotten on that wave the first time and like, this is perfect. (laughs) Knocked it out of the park, right? (laughs) I was so meant to do this. Like, oh my gosh, like even this podcast, right? Like I coward and like did not do anything for five months because I was like, I am not showing up in this way. Like, what do you mean? Like, I thought I was just going to go work at a university counseling center with a small private practice on the side, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I do know. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, the, I love that phrase that you said, the insecure expert. And I was wondering like, if you could expand on that, because that's such a beautiful phrase. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you are the expert in this area. So as therapists, I mean, again, we have, I think the definition of an expert talks about having, you know, some 10,000 hours of knowledge and experience. And and we can definitely say that we have that with all the practice hours, with all of the schooling that we've done, with the shadowing, the practicums, right? All of those pieces. Um, And especially as business owners. So it's kind of like, you are the expert in, in supporting people, right? And so it's like, that is the the area, your expertise. And it's about being insecure in that. Even though you have evidence to the contrary, it's like, why is this different? Right? So it's kind of having those insecurities coming up for yourself. And I hear this all the time, no matter what kind of business it is. Um, when I'm at, we're in a group together, that's how we connected. And I hear that a lot uh, in the conversations. It's like, oh, I'm really insecure here, or I'm having imposter syndrome, or you know, it's like almost like we don't give ourselves permission to be this like badass business owner, step in our gifts and our talents. Like we don't do that. So I think there's a lot to be said there about building that confidence and that ability to own that sooner. If that's something I could dial up your confidence on for any business owner, it would be that sooner um, and address a lot of those mindset uh, roadblocks that are keeping us feeling that way. Yeah, I like that. Um you know, I was thinking as you were sharing, one of the things I've really, I think, struggled with is like, okay, there's this idea like clinicians are supposed to be like low key, like kind of humble, modest. They're like, what is it like um, serving the community, doing the greater good, like all of those kind of phrases, right? Like we are so immersed in it, right? And I think the biggest challenge for me has been, you know, as STC is like built out, like showing up in a different way but like behind the scenes of like really battling that you know like oh my gosh if i say you know the podcast hit xmr downloads or if i you know whatever right like or if i share something about courses right am i coming across as arrogant or brash or you know like 
there's so much stuff. Like, how do you, I mean, like, how do you work through that? Like, you know, that's a really great point. And, and part of that, where that was my mindset challenge too, of becoming, you know, that therapist, a coach, that, that online visible brand, right? Cause again, that's not how we're taught. We're taught to be the care provider. You show up and you're kind of a little more neutral, you, you provide the care and then, you know, you kind of go on, but really in school, we talk about this a lot too, right? School doesn't prepare us for being business owners. It doesn't prepare us for marketing and, and all of the pieces that go into this. Um, so really for me, it was a lot of um, a mixture of things, particularly. I, I did have to go to therapy because I was noticing that there were deeper roots in this for me um, that I really needed to work out. With the coaching piece, it was a lot of mindset on practicing, identifying, first of all, what are the beliefs that are causing us to think and feel this way? So really, again, similar that of the work that we do all the time, but it's really identifying, okay, what's the larger picture? What's the societal? What's the group belief versus what maybe is individual and maybe has more roots in some trauma or some different things, right? That needs to be solved that on that deeper level and healed on a deeper level. But with the coaching, it's about finding uh, what are those beliefs that are contributing? And so I uncovered so many beliefs, right? I think being a female, being a therapist, having money stuff, money story stuff, right? There's a lot that came in as I was doing this work in both the therapy and the coaching uh, mediums, if you will, that mode. So yeah, I think it's really about being clear, identifying that working with somebody else, whether you pick a therapist or a coach, um, again, that depends on your level. And the way that I try to look at that is when we are doing therapy with folks, we're really looking at maybe what's coming up now and kind of looking at the roots of that in the past and doing a little sprinkling of, of what, where we want to go, right. With our goals. And with coaching, it's, you know, we're looking at now and we're really looking forward of where we want to go, working toward those goals with a sprinkling of what happened in the past to kind of have that awareness and how we can change those thoughts going forward. So that's kind of how I break it up uh, for folks who ask the difference and, and who to choose and where to go with that. But I think depending, and some people do both, right? So I, I did both at, at once uh, for, for a long time. So, um, you know, I think it just depends on where you're at, but it's all about getting clear about what exactly that roadblock is and where you want to go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And when you said you did both, meaning that you did therapy and saw coach at the same time. Yes. Because, yeah, and that, and that experience gave you sort of, I guess, like totality, right? Like allowed you to sort of explore the past, the present, and the future. Yeah, I mean, it's so fascinating. It's taken me seven years to realize this, that it's not my like I think for all of us, right? It's not our ambition or our creativity that holds us back as entrepreneurs. It's honestly like the mental stuff, you know, fear of yes. being seen, trauma, money stuff, like you said, right? Societal right. sort of stories, right? Like all of these things, right? And I don't know, it's this year particularly has been so eye-opening and it's realized like it's again, it's not like what holds my business back is not the ambition or the ideas, right? It's actually mm-hmm. owning my story, right? And just like moving forward, like you beautifully said earlier. And I don't know, for some reason, like, it's going to sound so dumb, but I just expected somebody to like, tell me like, hey, Mel, you got to work on this, like, you know, and people hey. did, but like, not, you know, like, at some point, like you only understand the depth of, you know, 
like, right. you know, uh, right. pain and struggle to build something, right? And to, and as you create these new things and show up in different ways, you're like, oh, here comes our stuff again, you know? <laughs> right. And that's why I'm always advocating for a mindset coach. So uh, a lot of times people will hire business and strategies when they're creating their business. And that's great. And there's a time and place. And I've done that too. I totally get that. But it's like, we are with these thoughts and patterns every single day, all day, right? So we need somebody else to kind of bounce that off, especially being a solopreneur. It's like, hey, I'm the only one in here. <laughs> There's no water cooler chat. There's no supervisor. There is nothing. It is me. So that is why I, I think it's so important to really do the work to uncover what that is and rewrite those beliefs and thoughts into your success story. So that's why I'm always advocating, you know, mindset coaching, because um, you might already have the foundations of therapy and you may not need a therapist. You may just need that person to kind of go back and forth with and reach higher with, right? So that could be where that person comes into play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, again, these are like so like basic realizations, but they're so powerful, right? Like yeah. you always, I think many of us have this impression that somehow if we just gut it out, like we can push through and do it. But like, actually like having the humility to say like, oh, God, man, I don't have this figured out and I need somebody else to objectively look at this and challenge some of this stuff. Like, and I do think like, especially clinicians, all of us, especially we are business owners too. So you have that double ambition, right? Where yeah. you have our degrees plus building a business. Like it's so important to do that. So Angela, you talked about sort of the guilt, any other sort of like big kind of roadblocks that you see among clinicians that are trying to make that transition? Absolutely. So I think uh, you might have alluded to this a little bit, and, and I definitely worked through this, but um, it's understanding to some of those uh, roadblocks that we might normally have, but that again, get heightened when we're, uh, when we're in this role. So for me, it was like that perfectionism, really having high standards, um, some of that fear of failure and success, um, that procrastination, right? So we tend to be so afraid of the unknown and, you know, at the same time, pushing forward and trying to meet these goals. Um, but what that can do is cause us to just sit in it, right? And not, like you said, not take action for four or five months, feeling like, who am I to, to do this? So it is about taking that time to, again, be aware and address and work through that, however, um, but really do your research and take action. So it's going to be imperfect and that's going to be okay. So it's about giving yourself permission to do that. But sometimes we need that accountability and support. I'm, I'm totally a one that needs accountability. If I don't have it, I'm like, oh, I could be outside hanging out or, you know, I don't know, <laughs> right? So, and like you said, we have a lot of creativity, a lot of ideas. So we can be also kind of chasing different things when really we need to focus. So it's really helpful to get that. But um, you know, find, you can find the answers or find someone to help you do that. So you don't have to do this alone. I think that's another thing. We're very independent. We're very hardworking. So we're going to try to push. And again, that can lead to burnout if we're really operating in those zones that are not our genius. So if it's a zone of incompetence or confidence, and I'm talking about, uh, this, uh, is a, a section from a book called the big leap by Gay Hendricks. So I, I highly recommend that book. I love that book so much because it talks about us working in our zone of genius and excellence and maybe areas that are of incompetence or competence to us that we could maybe delegate or, you know, find someone to help us. But um, that's really where uh, we can thrive is when we understand and get clear about all of those things. But yeah, it's when we sit and don't take that action and kind of just let fear take over or that, that um, you know, 
feeling of being unclear, right? Not having that direct path forward. So definitely get support with that. It's really a a lot of mindset and energetics. So we talk about having a hard time with boundaries as a business owner and wanting to really help everybody, but we need our own boundaries to to protect us and our energy too. Um, And the mindset really, you know, we want to talk about those feelings and thoughts that come up, those beliefs that might run us into burnout or, uh, you know, keep us from taking action, overcoming that imposter syndrome, uh, really uh, money mindset has been a big discovery for me. I didn't realize how much that was impacting me. Um, And same as well. Isn't that so interesting? And again, I think, you know, there's uh, societal conversations, there's family conversations. I used to work at a university and, uh, you know, the research that they did is that, you know, the financial literacy came from families. So did your family have the financial literacy? Did they talk about money? Was it in a good way or a bad way or, you know, a, a unhelpful way, or do we ignore it, right? So there's a lot to really unpack there. But a couple book recommendations to get started. I love Get Rich Lucky Bitch by Denise Duffield Thomas, and You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. There's a ton of other books out there. Those are just kind of the top two that I felt had the most applicable steps. Um, But there's a lot of uh, things out there to help folks get started in reading and, and tons of podcasts too, and things like that. Um, the other thing, and this is more along the lines of being a business owner, so this could be more general, but I think, you know, as a therapist, uh, especially if we've had, um, you know, experience working in community mental health, we kind of take whoever is assigned, right? So client-wise, we'll say, okay, you know, maybe this is our specialty and maybe we don't specifically work with, you know, kids or teens or something like that, or, or we do or whatever, but with coaching, uh, you want to try to be a little bit more specific. So you want to get as specific as possible and speak to that ideal client. I think that's something that I really struggled with at first and and not understanding that when I say these clinical things, I'm bringing in people that need more clinical support versus a coaching support. So that getting very clear about that is going to be very helpful because um, you might be bringing clients that you're kind of saying, wait a second, these, these folks might need therapy versus coaching. And why is this happening? And so it's really important, the words we use and and how we're speaking to our ideal client and, and even getting clear on who that is. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, that's all of that is like wonderful. Um, man, our time flew. I wanted to ask you sort of a final question and this is probably going to expand, but uh, you said there's the fear of failure right earlier that a lot of people struggle with, which I understand that fear of success. I've heard that and I've noticed it recently, right? This has come up. Yeah. I was wondering if you could just give like, what is that? Like, you know? Yeah. For me, and I'll speak for me and, and what I've heard from other business owners, it's really about stepping into this version of you that's holding more space and more energy. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, I think there's a fear of performing that at a level that you have it before. So it's kind of like a fear of unknown in there a little bit too. And it's like, okay, so if I'm successful, what does that mean? What do I have to do more than I'm, than I'm doing now? So I think there's a thought process that we have to be doing more. We might have to hire more people. We might have to step into more of a leadership or a visibility role. Um, how can I maintain, you know, that energy? Uh, if I, especially if I feel like I might be struggling right now with where I'm at, and then I think it's uh, the other part is okay. So when I get the success, how do I keep it? 
how do I keep it from slipping away? So I, I think it's a, a really deeply entrained with that fear of failure. But I do think there's a lot of thought process on what if, what do I have to do? What's next? And in almost in a way that's not easy or, um, you know, that's scary versus like, this is a really cool opportunity and I can make myself even work less than I want, right? Like there's, so I think there's a lot of um, clarity to be found there. Yeah, that's great. I yeah, I'm glad you said it that way because I think this is something I'm definitely running into in this season because, yeah, there's like all this stuff that's coming up around. It's not just about like, you know, what if this is successful and STC has like become more successful than I ever imagined, right? But then there's this other side of it like, oh my gosh, what if I can't sustain this, you hey. know? And it is like, I'm, I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm more convinced than ever that like working through this stuff is so worthwhile, you know, not just for our businesses, but like, you know, for those like we model it to, too, as well, right? Family, loved yeah. ones, friends, like, you know. And everyone who benefits from the podcast, for example, right? So everyone's looking at you and wow, this is amazing and hearing all these great things. And then if you were just to kind of decide to say, oh, I don't know if I can sustain this, peace out, you know, yeah. that would also have such a big ripple impact. Right. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Angela, I'm so grateful for you. Uh, you're doing some pretty amazing stuff in the world. Where can we learn more about you and the services and things that you provide? Absolutely. Thank you so, so much. This is so great what you've built. I'm, I'm so happy we got this chance to connect. Uh, folks can reach me uh, at my website, angelamarie.co. Uh, you can also reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, I am there, Angela Marie Williams. I am on Instagram at Angela Marie Co. And you can find me on the Bigger Braver Life podcast. I'd love to uh, also have you all listen in on those episodes too. Awesome. Angela, thank you again for doing this and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Angela. And especially if you're in a season where you really are debating what your business looks like and, 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 but are navigating sort of the the mental roadblocks of it. I hope that today's podcast conversation has just been really helpful for you. And I think more than anything, I hope that has just given you just encouragement uh, to know that there are others that are navigating this and trying to figure this out. And none of us, I, I feel like, have it fully figured out. And we all want to do this like with ethics and with grace and all of these things. And uh, so many of us have so much pain and guilt and, you know, for me, like tremendous amount of shame, uh, you know, that, that came with making that transition. Angela's website is over again at angelamarie.co. Now, as, as I was reflecting on this conversation, lots of things like stood out to me, but the one I wanted to hone in on is this like fear of success. And I alluded to it in the podcast interview, uh, but this is something I'm recently running into with STC. Uh, as I shared on the interview, uh, not just financially, but from a lifestyle perspective, um, you may or may not know this, but I, I work four days a week. And uh, well, right now it's kind of shifting a little bit now that our little one started school, like the the nuances of the four days. But uh, in general, I, you know, in those four days, I spend my first four, uh, you know, like a nine to 1 p.m. doing deep work. Uh, and each of those days are themed. 
Uh, so for example, Tuesdays are podcast days. So these are days that I'm typically recording solo and interview-based episodes for our podcast. And then the afternoons are spent in uh, doing a hike, a power nap, once a week therapy. Uh, but otherwise, it's like learning time. Like I spend two hours every day or, you know, like depending on the day of the week, learning something. Uh, the stuff that I'm really passionate about is online courses and podcasting. Uh, it's also stuff that I have like paid products for. So I, I want to make sure like I'm always staying up to date with stuff. And that's a really like, it's a great schedule. I love it because it allows me to be front facing as I need to be. But then, you know, my natural tendency is <laughs> to kind of have my own space and just try to, you know, think through things. And it gives me that opportunity, my deep time to learn and all of those things. And the fear of success has really crept up for me because like financially, STC is doing really well. Uh, It's making more money than I ever thought I could ever make. And I honestly didn't have, my barometer was pretty low. Like I was, you know, aspiring for like, $75,000, $80,000, you know, a a year, you know, as as a psychologist at a university counseling center. And so now that like things have like significantly exceeded that, the thing I have to like, I'm running into this fear of success, right? Like, am I a bad person for making like, uh, for having a successful business? This is legit. Like, you know, I love being... I believe in just being honest with you guys. So this is something I legit struggled with. Uh, And I don't think so. Like there's a great quote that the founder of Spank, Sarah Blakely said, you know, basically the gist of it is money makes you more of who you are. Like if you're a nice, kind person, uh, having more money generally makes you like more of a giver. And if you are a a a-hole, then you generally tend to be more of an a-hole. Like, uh, when, you know, when, as you accumulate money and that's been really eye opening for me because yeah, one of the things I realized is like, fundamentally I have not changed. And in fact, I actually feel more gratitude. Uh, and I feel like, man, you know, I'm so grateful for these opportunities and it, and this platform, and it allows me to kind of really leverage and think about how I can serve, uh, in a way different way and give back, you know, cause that's like the stuff that lights me up and lights our family up, you know, just being able to help others and, but not doing it in a public way, you know, like, a, uh, and I know the nature of it. Sometimes I do have to be public facing, but you know, uh, generally I think my tendency is just to do it privately. So there's that part of it. And then I think the other part has come up and I'm still working through it, which is, man, like now that we've built it to this level and, uh, how do I sustain this, right? And what if I can't sustain it? And what if I burn out? I don't think burnouts, maybe maybe the thing is like, what if there's like X factors, right? Like what if our little one just needs more attention at school? Or, you know, what if, you know, we both have aging parents and what if they need more care? And, you know, how am I going to navigate that? You know, and I don't know, like these are things that I come up, that I'm coming up on. I don't have the answers. And, uh, you know, but this conversation with Angela just kind of made me realize like, wow, you know, like this is the stuff that I think all of us need to work on. You know, I think a lot of times we 
see stuff online about like, you know, get on this platform, launch a podcast, right? Like I have a course on podcasting, but I would say like, don't launch a podcast until you've kind of done the inner work, right? Of like showing up and believing that you are worthy to have a voice, you know, that matters. So show notes to today's episode can be found over at signthecouch.com forward slash session and the number three, two, eight. And Angela's website again, is it Angela? Marie, it's M-A-R-I-E dot C-O. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.